Greetings and welcome to Flanagan's Ecologic. I am your host, Ted Flanagan, and this week we're joined by Chris Klinga. We're going to be talking about architectural solar glass, how solar embedded in glass is being used to build skylights and curtain walls and facades on buildings. It's a whole new angle of using solar effectively in our society. Chris is the head of Soul Motive Design and has been a, a founder and a, a guiding force in the Architectural Solar Association. Happy to have him on the show today. Chris, welcome to Flanagan's Ecologic. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really delighted d- Delighted to speak with you. We spoke several months ago and I, and I just enjoyed our conversation about this whole field of architectural glass that, uh, that our act- architectural solar glass that I really hadn't heard that much about. So how did you get into that? What, how did, what led you into this, into this niche? Well, I started my career in solar uh, in Boulder, Colorado for a company uh, at a company called Lighthouse Solar. And Lighthouse Solar was a, uh, a nationwide brand. Uh, we were focused on franchising solar offices all over the country. And we found that we really needed a differentiated product line to go up against SunPower mainly because they were pitching against the or pitching a product that was really focused on, uh, you know, that all black aesthetic look on residential rooftops. And we wanted to provide something differentiated to our franchisees. Uh, so instead of becoming SunPower dealers, uh, we couldn't do that in Boulder. So uh, because it was already saturated saturated with several SunPower dealers, we decided to develop our own product line. And that product line became the Lumos Solar product line. And that's uh, ended up, you know, we've, we had aspirations to make a residential focused product um, that was really faster to install and better looking, um, stronger overall. And we ended up with an architectural glass product that ended up being far more beneficial to overhead canopies than residential rooftops. We did really interesting work on the residential side of things, but it was somewhat of a race to the bottom as far as uh, it was tough to justify the added expense of this slick glass that we ended up designing around. We we innovated around the idea of through bolting the glass. We saw that in Europe, uh, there was point fixed glass that was being utilized uh, as, you know, a BIPV laminate, and we thought, hey, well, why can't a solar module be uh, you know, fixed at, via the glass itself, uh, just like a standard solar module? So we uh, spread the cells out and put four holes in the glass, and that uh, creating that product line for Lumo Solar is really what led me into uh, architectural solar. And we we approached it from the perspective of this the solar industry rather than the building industry, we really wanted a differentiated product in the solar industry. And then that helped us constrain it from a standardization perspective and get somewhat of an economy of scale around this architectural product. And that's a twist that the architectural industry is not really um, as capable of adapting to. Customization is everything, but customization brings on a lot of added costs um, so I, I think it's an interesting concept for architectural yeah. solar. It's an interesting story. And then we, we're calling it architectural solar. 
And that would you differentiate from crystalline panels or, or just standard solar panels that get bolted onto a rooftop or onto a carport. The, when you use the term architectural solar, that, that suggests that, that, that it is building integrated. It's, it's part of the actual building shell. Is that right? Yeah, to some degree. I mean, I think that there's the use of the term architectural solar is um, very much an important conversation. Um, so to us, architectural solar is more than that. Um, and, you know, over the years, there's been a lot, there's been somewhat of a circular conversation around what it means to be integrated, right? So you think of the term BIPV and everyone, BIPV is always on the horizon as far as it's, it's an aspirational concept that the solar industry has had since the seventies and projects are getting done um, that are building integrated photovoltaics, but the market size is always being estimated. How, how big is the market? The market potential is always being estimated as being incredibly large, um, but yet it, it's always just this niche uh, of the solar industry. And I think the reason why BIPV has had a hard time getting traction is partly because of the definition of what BIPV is and the confusion around what it means to be BIPV. Um, and to me, that definition is selling the opportunity short. And the reason that is, is because the word integration is a very broad term. And to be building integrated, um, you know, to say that a solar panel on a rooftop is not integrated into that building, that's, that's somewhat of a contradictory statement. Um, because the solar, I mean, these are solar, we call solar installers, solar integrators. I mean, that's a term that's used all the time. So, um, you know, what is BIPV? And I've sat on standard boards uh, to help try to define BIPV. And, you know, the general consensus is that the definition of BIPV is uh, solar panels that replace construction components, right? And, to me, that's a, that's a sound way of looking at it. Um, whether or not that's a standard solar panel or a laminated glass solar panel is up for debate, right? Like maybe there is a place for a commodity solar panel to replace a, a building component. Um, so that's where it gets fuzzy. And then some folks say, hey, for it to be BIPV, it really needs to be uh, integrated into the envelope. It needs to enclose the envelope. And so then you start getting into this gray area where, okay, well, if our, our ancillary structure is considered buildings in the building code, well, they are. So is that a building and is it integrated? And when does it become uh, BIPV? Are sunshades on the side of the building that aren't enclosing the envelope BIPV? So instead of having this circular conversation about what BIPV is and what the opportunity is, uh, in 2016, we formed the Architectural Solar Institute to try to change that dialogue a little bit because we feel that architectural solar is a better way of representing the continuum of integration possibilities. And to me, architectural solar is really just solar that's integrated with the architectural design process of a building. So today you have several progressive utilities across the country that are mandating that solar be part of 
the building with, you know, you need to have a minimum of 5% renewable on-site renewables on some new projects in certain jurisdictions across the country. And if they're taking a performance track, some of those jurisdictions are mandating higher. Uh, The energy engineers utilizing the solar to justify a performance of the building, a certain EUI target. So in those instances, you need even a higher uh, renewable energy uh, uh, offset. So under those scenarios, to me, rooftop solar is architectural solar. And the reason that is, is because there's a dialogue going on with the architect three years before a building is being built to say, hey, how many solar panels fit on this rooftop? What what can we do to hit our performance target? Um, And we're regularly coordinating with energy engineers and architects on this topic. And it may be uh, solar that's on a rooftop, but to me, that solar is also architectural solar if it's coordinated with that architectural design process. That is very interesting. Great, great, great. You, you've clarified that for me. And so architectural solar, sure, it could be, uh, it could be solar glass. Like you introduced me to both Onyx and Vitro, these huge glass companies that are now sandwiching uh, photovoltaic uh, wafers in, in, in between the glass. But it could also be, like you're saying, it could also be sort of the more standard panels on a rooftop. But, but the key being, the key distinction being that this is all part of a well thought out process, a design process, and it's truly integrated, not sort of a bolt-on uh, exactly. application. Now, also in 2016, you started your own company. So you left Lumos and you formed Soul Motive. And um, what prompted that transition and what, what's the distinction? What are you up to with Soul Motive where you still are the, 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 the CEO? Yeah, so at Lumos, um, my my career, um, I felt like it, I got to a point where I just needed something new in uh, for myself and I needed the next thing. I needed to you know, spread the knowledge that I uh, learned over a, a nine-year tenure there uh, to a, a wider community. And at that point, um, at Lumos, we all uh, started the Architectural Solar Association and it was a a group of, you know, various partners that kind of came to the table and, and decided that there was really a need to bring together the U.S. building industry with the solar industry to, you know, break down these barriers to architectural solar and BIPV. Um, and so we, we did that. And at the same time, uh, I started Soul Motive Design, which is an architectural solar innovation company. Um, we're really focused on helping building owners, architects, solar installers, and building product companies integrate solar technologies into their projects and or products through our design and engineering services that encompass electrical, mechanical, and structural disciplines. So we take a really holistic approach to this architectural solar um, you know, design challenge and bring all of those disciplines to the table to help architects, building owners, bring the most innovative solar projects to life. And, you know, that, that journey started in 2016. um, And since then we've been um, working with a whole different range of clients um, from, you know, the PV analysis and feasibility stage of things all the way through to commissioning of 
projects that typically take, you know, three to four years to go from idea to, um, you know, modules being installed. Yeah. Well, that's, that's so interesting. And so in terms of um, when I, when I think of solar glass, when I, which you pretty much introduced me to several months ago, I'm really thinking there's no, there's no aluminum frame around this. This is glass that the large panels and pieces of glass sandwiched with photovoltaics in between, but you've got companies that are manufacturing that glass. And then you've got uh, companies like yourself that are, that are figuring out how to use that in, in the design and really figuring out how to effectively integrate that. Uh, and then a company like Lumos is, is maybe taking that glass and then somehow fabricating it. Uh, and then, and then in turn, that gets handed off to a, an installer that installs it. You got all these sort of uh, people in the chain. Is that kind of the way you see it? Um, yeah, I think that's a somewhat of a good representation of it. Um, Lumos is an interesting anomaly in the typical uh, supply chain uh, in the building industry. Uh, you know, Lumos came at it from the perspective of the solar industry. So Lumos is a a design um, firm that has a unique uh, solar module design, and they're sourcing uh, the different subcomponents of those modules and having them contract manufactured from various uh, groups. You know, similar to how uh, SunPower works in a lot of ways, um, and other uh, other module quote unquote module manufacturers. You know, Lumos isn't a module manufacturer per se, but they're more um, module designers and engineers that have a, their own um, reference design that they get contract manufactured. Uh, right. So they're they're more they're more of a solar industry player than they are a building industry player, but they're they're bridging that gap to some degree. They're becoming more of a building industry player because they're offering these solar industry services to the building industry. Their their clients are the, the large general contractors. And solar and, and sometimes solar installers as well. So they kind of bridge that that world. Um, in the building industry, you know, you have these other the more building industry focused uh, side of things, the more BIPV focused side of things. You have players like Onyx and Urtex, and m- most of which are are from Europe because there's been uh, substantial incentives in Europe that have fueled the growth of BIPV there more so than it has here. And in, in those instances, uh, those, those players are similar to Lumos, um, but they tend to be actual manufacturers um, that are manufacturing things on a custom basis uh, and on a, pro- a just-in-time project-by-project basis, whereas Lumos has a standardized product line, and so they're leveraging contract manufacturers to make that standardized product. Um, mm-hmm. And then if you... You know, now in the U.S., uh, there's players like Vitro who are, are are like essentially building industry players that are now getting into solar. They're buying manufacturing lines, and they're they have a stake in 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 the glass side of things. So it, it's a it's an easy fit for them. And I think the more architectural um, these projects are the easier it is to justify U.S. manufacturing um, because there's a premium for these architectural products, and they're usually just-in-time delivery. And if you look at the U.S. glass industry, that that's mostly stateside. So 
Uh, glass is a really heavy thing to ship. Um, and you know, that, that's glass in the solar industry has been very much commoditized and standardized, but in the architectural industry, it's customized. So it, it's a just-in-time thing that's a stateside thing. So there's a lot of opportunity for U.S. manufacturing in architectural solar because of that. Interesting. And I don't want to get us too far off track, but you did mention incentives for, for BIPV in Europe. And one of the questions I had for you was, do you know, are there, are there incentives for BIPV uh, here in America? Are there utility programs or states that are giving, I, I remember going to Germany years ago, like building facade, you got an extra 10% on the feed-in tariff. Is there anything like that going on in America that you're aware of? No, there's not uh, BIPV specific incentives in the U.S. that I'm aware of, unfortunately. Um, but there are really interesting uh, ways of looking at things through the dual use nature of the of the components. So, in the U.S., we have the investment tax credit and the opportunity to apply that investment tax credit to a portion of the envelope. Now that solar is integrated into it, makes BIPV opportunities pretty interesting from a financial perspective. So they may cost more than standard panels, but when you look at you know, the cost of, of being able to capture a, a portion of that wall system, that's going to get installed no matter what, whether PV is a part of it or not. And you look at the, finance, the financial uh, side of things, comparing a wall system without solar versus a wall system with solar and being able to capture that ITC on the full wall system, um, then things start look, looking very interesting. Yeah. Hey, what was one of your coolest projects or what, what is one of the coolest projects that you've worked on uh, or that you're working on? Um, well, I think, you know, I, the, the project right in, in your neck of the woods, uh, 5901 Sunset Boulevard was definitely one of, you know, my, my crowning achievements uh, after leaving Lumos. At Lumos, there was, you know, countless projects. Those guys are still innovating and doing amazing work um, with the products we designed. But um, to speak to my work after that with Solmotive, I would say 5901 Sunset Boulevard, which is the Netflix headquarters um, in LA, in Hollywood there. And uh, that project has an east-facing and a south-facing facade with PV IGUs. So oh, an IGU is an insulated glass unit. That's the typical window of any um, building. Uh, because you have two layers of glass typically, and with by a PV IGU would be a PV laminate um, on the out as the outbound light of that IGU, and then an air gap, and then the inbound light. So um, it's a really unique wall system that was uh, designed by Walters and Wolf out of uh, Fremont and Laverne, uh, California. They're the fifth largest glazer in the country, and Walters and Wolf is a great uh, example of a company that is recognizing the need for solar and they are actively investing and working with one of their glass fabrication partners um, on, on bringing solar to the architectural community. Uh, 5901 Sunset was their second project um, and it took three plus years to get permitted and it wasn't all that large. It was only in the you know 30 kilowatt range, but it was fully integrated with the envelope. And I helped Walters and Wolf bring that glass through UL certification 
for 61730, and then their wall system through certification for UL 2703, and then also get the project rapid shutdown compliant, which is a very hard thing to do with BIPV. And so rapid shutdown is a really big topic for BIPV right now. And, um, and bringing that system through LADBS was a really big challenge. Well, how do you address rapid shutdown with BIPV? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, you introduced me to the folks at Onyx. They're built, making these enormous uh, sheets of glass. I, I don't know, they're four by eight or even bigger than that, I guess, right? They're, yeah. they're huge. They're bigger, quite a bit bigger than that. And then uh, does rapid, does every single piece of glass have to be, uh, have to be controllable for rapid shutdown? Yeah, to some degree, to, per the letter of the code, um, it does. And so uh, there, it does and it doesn't. Uh, so there's a recent development uh, in the world of rapid shutdown called UL 3741. And so luckily we have that on the horizon and that will reduce the requirements of rapid shutdown. Um, so uh, we can go into the details here, but you know, rapid shutdown, uh, started being a thing in the NEC 2014 code um, on the string level side of things. And so there was a whole host of string level combiners that had rapid shutdown. And then NEC 2017 hit and everything needed to be controlled at the module level. And so um, that was right around the time that we were doing 5901 Sunset. Uh, so we actually had to comply. We proactively complied with NEC 2017 just because we didn't know when LADBS was going to um, switch their code cycle. So we just got proactive on it and um, we utilized uh, Solar Edge to deal with that. Um, on those modules, uh, we, we uh, the modules were small enough uh, where you, it, it all it all comes down to voltage and controlling voltage. So uh, you need to have uh, it, per this per the NEC, you need to have less than eighty volts um, managed with a rapid shutdown device. So uh, meaning, like at every eighty volt interval, you need a rapid shutdown device. So uh, in the case of this project, we had smaller pieces of glass, so we were able to put those in series and bring them to a rapid shutdown device. But if the glass is large enough and above 80 volts, then um, you need a, well, if, it, if it's above 80 volts, you actually have a problem that you need to deal with somehow. And that's, that's the real challenge for BIPV, especially uh, thin film BIPV, because the thin film modules, like the first solar modules, they're all north of 80 volts anyways. You know, the, these modules are large pieces of, modules are getting larger and larger. And in the thin film category, they're, some of these modules might be 250 volts. And so under that scenario, you can't get that installed on a building and comply with uh, rapid shutdown unless you have a system that is certified to the new standard UL 3741 that demonstrates that it's safe uh, from a you know, firefighter interaction perspective. Boy, Chris, your your expertise is is uh, just shining here. Uh, I'm I'm digging it. It's really great, really really interesting stuff. We got we got really deep there pretty quick. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Where were you born? Are you Colorado guy? Are you from Colorado? No, I was I was born in uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut, 
Oh, no. uh, yeah, just about an hour from New York City. Yeah, and so you came out to 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 go to school at, at, at in Boulder. Yeah, I came I came out uh, to see you for school uh, as a mechanical engineer. I started as business major, and then quickly switched to mechanical engineering. Um, and when you're, uh, when you're back in Bridgeport as a kid. Did you did you ever think that you would be involved with architectural solar? No. <laughs> what were you going to be? Um, I, all that really was on my mind was skiing and rock climbing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, that, when, so you got to, you got to Boulder and you said, this is heaven and I ain't moving. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew that I was, uh, that I wanted to come to Boulder in the fourth grade. <laughs> wow. What a family so, trip you came out or something like that. And no, I, I remember I, I did a book report on in the state of Colorado uh, and I remember like, you know, I don't know, cutting out some magazine uh, article with a picture of tulips and on the Pearl street mall or something along those lines, or maybe an image of the flat irons. And I have to find this, this book report to see if my mom's got it, but uh, <laughs> I can you really pretty- look back at what that image was, but um you're pretty sure where you were going to be when you got. Yeah, it was just when I fig- when when I saw that, I was like, okay, that's where I'm going. Um, yeah. Oh, that is that is really cool. Well, congratulations! I know you've also got um, patents. We haven't gotten into that, but you, the, you you've shown how technically savvy you are. And so you have three patents for for solar architectural solar, and then you have three patents pending. Also, is there is there sort of an easy summary of what those do? Yeah, or- I mean, but. All of that is my work at Lumo Solar um, and the work, you know, those products that are distributed globally today. Um, The LSX module uh, system had various uh, patents associated with it. Um, There, yeah, there's, there's various ones that are all tied to the work at Lumos. Yeah, that's great. And so if, um, you know, if, if listeners are out there, um, have a, a project where it's it's kind of tricky, right? To figure out how to to meet either a, a, a local code or how to meet your own aspirations for solar, uh, whether it's a commercial building or whatnot, they might call you, Soul Motive, and get get advised on how to uh, turn sort of a concept into a reality. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I would say, and and also product companies. So. Um, our, our business is split between, you know, those project-based clients that are trying to get innovative projects online, uh, work through that design process, uh, and product companies that are, are trying to bring BIPV pro- products to life. There's a lot of BIPV-related product companies that we're working with. Yeah. Well, great stuff. Th- thanks so much for being part of the part of the podcast. I've really, I've learned a lot. I'm sure others will learn a lot, and we really appreciate it. Uh, I, I really appreciate you having me and taking the time. It's it's been a pleasure, Ted. Thanks, Chris. Have a good weekend. Thank you. You do, you as well. That's it. Thanks for listening to Flanagan's Ecologic. We'll see you next time. <laughs>